0: Believe it or not, this is the last day for Ephesians. Hopefully not in your life, but here uh, as far as the uh, the sermons are concerned, we're talking about identity. Uh, believe it or not, the first sermon in this series, you probably do believe it, June 2nd. Three and a half months, we have been walking through six chapters in uh, in this little book in, uh, in Ephesians, and I hope that you have been thinking about and rethinking uh, about who you are because of your relationship with Jesus. So just to recap a little bit, you... You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are redeemed and forgiven. You are literally the creation, the craftsmanship, the handiwork of God Himself. You are alive. You are not dead in your sins. You are a a worker for God. He has prepared good works for you to do. You have been brought near. You've not been kept at a distance. You are being formed into a place where Christ lives. You are rooted in, you are planted in, you are growing out of God's immeasurable love. All of these things and more, we have recognized that, that our identity has literally changed. Each of us who have received God's offer of a relationship with him have experienced these changes. It's, it's so much more than just praying a little prayer, believing you get a ticket on the train to glory land, and, uh, and then you just kind of live however you want to live. Uh, this is a change at the spiritually molecular level. Jesus changes our spiritual DNA. In chapter 4 that we saw, it's, it's, it's a lot like taking off your old self or your old life and putting on a, a new life, a new self, a new way of living. And, and it, it changes who we are and it changes how we live. Last week we, uh, we saw that in order to live this life well, we have to realize that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And we need to put on the armor of God. So in chapter six, that passage there uh, toward the end of the of the book is uh, is all about the armor of God, and in order to stand strong. And again, we could I, I mean I could extend this thing to Christmas if if uh, we walked through each one of those and looked at the nuances of each of those pieces of armor. But uh, th- there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, there, and and I think one thing we need to recognize is there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes uh, in our spiritual lives, things that are personal and private in our spiritual lives, in order to prepare. Prepare us for uh, living out this new identity um, I don't know if you um, are on the Cleveland Browns uh, bandwagon this year Most people jumped back on because they got some, uh, got some decenter talent, I guess um, And we're one and one, so there we go that's, I mean, that's more wins than we usually have after two games, right? So, so there we go and I think they're on like tonight is football night in America. So I mean, we've made the big time. We've Monday night, the last week. Uh, anyway, big, there's a lot that that goes on throughout the year. And if you've been in around uh, Cleveland any stretch of of time, you know that usually about uh, five five Sundays into a season, we're starting to think about next year, right? Um, That's not going to be the case this year. We're going all the way. It's going to be great. But uh, a lot of times we're starting to think about, and they're starting to talk about the draft. They're starting to talk about what they can do in the off season in order to prepare for or to be ready for that next season and what it's going to take. And so they talk about who they're going to get on the team. They talk about uh, any coaching changes they might need to make. And then those coaches start to develop a scheme. And and, uh, they have practices and they have tryouts and they have uh, different. Uh, they run through scenarios and they do all these things behind the scenes In order to be ready to uh, step out on the field uh, And they did a lot over this last uh, off season So that we're anticipating a great season uh, this year as a football team, no matter what level, as a football team gets ready for a game, there's a bunch that goes into behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, the, the coaches and the scouts watch the film and and they see what the imposing team, uh, what their tendencies are and and their uh, their different plays that they play and and uh, different in different scenarios what they might do. The players have have conditioned themselves right. They've they've uh, they've worked out. They've they've uh, lifted weights. They've run. They're, they're ready. So their bodies are up to the challenge for the entire game. They anticipate uh, what the opponent will do and then they run plays that might counteract what those things are. The the team pushes themselves to the limits so that they're prepared when the whistle blows and it's showtime. Sometimes that's that works, sometimes it doesn't. I think not just about sports uh, like football, but I think about uh, theater, the term that, that happened behind the scene, things that happen behind the scenes, right? That comes from, from theater or from, uh, from uh, orchestra or something like that where if you're playing an instrument or, or acting or something, there, there's a lot of preparation, there's a lot of, of, of going through things beforehand, before the show, before the concert. Uh, no one sees all that behind the scenes stuff. Uh, but they sure notice it if it didn't happen, right? If, you just, if you're in a play and uh, you didn't memorize your lines and you, you come out there and then you look stupid because you didn't do the stuff in preparation for the performance, in the preparation for what's important. The, uh, the Browns, for years, we've, uh, we've said, well, they did all these things, but those things weren't really effective and they didn't, didn't happen. It, it's all about the prepar- preparing well for what's coming. We don't, uh, we, we don't get that uh, a, a lot of times. We don't see what it really takes to be great at something. The professionals make it look easy, but, but everyone you ask would, 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 would tell you that it's not the, uh, uh, the glamour and the prestige and the status. That's just a little blip on the radar, but it's all about the hard work and the dedication, and the determination, and the behind-the-scenes stuff that, uh, that, that it takes in order to be the best. And that's true in our spiritual lives. Not that we're performing spiritually, but 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 uh, I don't know. We might look at someone who we'd consider a saint of the church, right? And we just assume, well, it's easy for them. Uh, well, it's not easy for them. They it takes preparation to face the enemy every day to stand your ground. We talked last week about that armor that we put on, uh, all those pieces of armor and and uh, and all that stuff as we prepare. Then there's one more thing that that Paul says. Uh, that he he taught just a couple of verses about. uh, After he gets done talking about all that armor and what that looks like, it's just a a four-letter word admonition. He says, pray. So Ephesians 6, 18, 19, and 20, and that is our conclusion or our wrapping up this uh, study in this book of Ephesians. Uh, Verse 18, it starts this way. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Those of you that are starting to doze off, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change remember he's in in, uh, in jail while he's writing these words pray that I can declare it fearlessly as I should so this is Paul's finale uh, all of the theology about our new identity and all of the instructions about how to live because of our new identity um, then he cur- encourages us it all comes down to one more thing I've got to tell Tell you that's important And a lot of times the last thing somebody tells you is, is maybe the most important He says after I'm telling you all this stuff Make sure you do this Pray If we're going to live our lives For Jesus we will be characterized By prayer Maybe you heard the story of the, uh, the Taxi driver and the pastor Who both ended up at the uh, In front of the pearly gates in heaven uh, About the same time and St. Peter uh, first addressed the taxi driver We know this doesn't, that's not how it works, right? This is just for the joke, right? It's not really St. Peter and the pearly gate But anyway, okay, just sorry uh, Needed a dis- disclaimer uh, So St. Peter's addressing the taxi driver And he says, welcome I understand that you were a taxi driver in New York City We have your place all prepared for you See that mansion over there on the top of the hilltop? That's yours Here's the key, take off, Enjoy the pastor standing there, he knows he's next, and uh, he starts to get excited, and in his mind he's thinking, well, if a taxi driver in New York City gets that place over there, a pastor sure to sure to get a lot. And so he comes up and, and he says, yeah, 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 and gives him his name and, and says, I'm a, I'm a pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know who you are. Uh, we, have, uh, we have just the place for you. See that little shack down there by the, by the woods? That's, um, that's all yours. And the pastor says, I was a pastor. I preached the gospel week in and week out. I taught people about God. Why does that taxi driver get a mansion and all I get is a shack? And St. Peter said, Well, it seems that when you preached, people slept. When the taxi driver drove, people prayed. Your influence matters. Uh, John John Henry Jowett once wrote, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. D.L. Moody echoed those comments by saying I would rather be able to uh, I would rather be able to pray than to be a great preacher. Jesus Christ never taught his disciples how to preach but only how to pray. Jim Simbola, pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, uh, wrote in his book Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, the honest truth is that I've seen God do more in people's lives during ten minutes of real prayer than in ten of my sermons. I guess I just need to sit down and shut up, right? Uh, it, it doesn't. Those are sober words for a preacher right the question is are you praying Paul says pray are you making time in your schedule to keep in contact with God are it is the the most important thing there is nothing more important than spending time with God nothing not your job not your hobbies not your kids not your spouse not your grades all those are important of course But you will not be the spouse that you need to be if you're not first spending time with God. You will not be the parent that you need to be or the the, the employee that you need to be or the business owner that you need to be or the, the student or the friend, the person. You will not be the person you need to be if you are not first and foremost spending time with God. Paul says pray. What does that look like? Well, he spells out quite a picture there, several different aspects of prayer. And, and, and obviously, this is, this is one consolidated place we could, again, talk uh, for a long, long time about the nuances of prayer. But one thing Paul says here in this passage, the first thing I think that, that I want to drill down on, that is that he, he says, "Pray specifically." Paul mentions very specific details uh, for the Ephesians to pray for. He wants courage when he preaches. He, he wants clarity to be able to explain things and people would understand it. Uh, he, he, wants, he wants, even though he's in chains, to, uh, to be able to proclaim the gospel as he should. Uh, Paul knows that he needs God's anointing in order to fulfill his, this calling on his life and to spread the good news to the Gentiles. And so he asks for them to pray and he gives some specific requests. And so we should be specific in our prayers too. Now, I, I want to acknowledge that sometimes we get carried away here, and I, and I get that. We end up spending a whole lot of time taking requests, and then we run out of time for. Prayer. I literally, uh, I I don't know. This was several years ago, but I I went to a a pastors' gathering here in town with other pastors from the from other churches, and and there were I don't know uh, eight or ten of us in the room, and and uh, the, it wasn't a a lunch that we do on occasion. It wasn't a uh, promoting a, a ministry or getting together to do something. It was it was specifically prayer, and we knew that going in. We we were gathering to pray. I uh, after. I think I was—I was. It was over an hour I was there, and uh, I had another appointment, and I had to leave. And we hadn't prayed yet. (laughs) We had been talking about it, and we'd uh, been—and it was was uh, uh, important to share some requests and things. But but we hadn't prayed yet. I want to acknowledge that we can get sidetracked a little bit with too many requests, right? Or, or uh, prayer request time can turn into gossip hour, right? Well, you know what I heard? Oh, we should really pray about that. Uh, but it, 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 that doesn't negate the importance of being specific in our prayers, and we need to do that. I think we're in the habit many times of just praying generally. Maybe we're just not thinking, or we, uh, I don't know, it's, it's easier that way. It doesn't put God on the spot if we just pray generally, it doesn't put us on the spot that we've asked for this and maybe it didn't happen. or what it, So we say, bless them, God, and, and we say, be with him, Jesus. And if, but yet if we're praying specifically, then we're trusting God to act specifically. The more specific we get, the more we celebrate when it happens, right? I mean, if you pray, Lord, bless them," kind of hard to tell if he really did or not, right? I mean, they're, they're still fine. We don't necessarily throw a party because they're still fine, right? We, we prayed that God would bless them, and uh, we don't necessarily throw a party. If we're honest, we, we, we kind of take it for granted that everything kind of worked out reasonably well and everything's okay. But if we, if we say, Lord, heal that tumor, help it to shrink, help the doctors to be perplexed about why that person is getting better... And then it does shrink, and they do get better, and the doctors are perplexed. Well, we praise the Lord for that, right? We, we, uh, we shout it out. We spread the word. We celebrate. We prayed, and God intervened. And it's an amazing thing. We let everyone know about the miracle that God did. We didn't say, God, they have cancer. Bless them. We got specific, and when he came through, we could celebrate. Of course, that answers the question on the other side. It probably already entered your head. Well, what if it doesn't happen? We pray specifically, what if there is no miracle? Well, first off, we have to recognize that the results are up to God. It doesn't change how we pray. We have to pray in faith, and we leave the results to him. We might not get what we want. In Scripture, um, we're actually in, in, in pretty fair company if we don't get what we want in prayer There are a lot of people in the Bible some, some heavy hitters in the Bible Who didn't get what they prayed for King David prayed for his son to live And he died The Apostle Paul prayed for, for a, a painful problem A thorn in his flesh to be removed And it wasn't Moses, Jonah, Jeremiah and Elijah All at different times in their, in their ministries Prayed that they could just die and be done They lived. Jesus, the Son of God, heard of him? He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane that he wouldn't have to die. But he did. (laughs) Some pretty righteous people prayed uh, for things that they wanted specifically and they didn't get them. So does that mean that prayer didn't work? Or do we need to drill down a little bit more about what prayer really is? See, I, I think that prayer and maybe we need to drill this into our heads, prayer has to be more about connecting with God than about getting what I want. It has to be more about that connection, that communication, that relationship than it is about getting what I want. Oswald Chambers wrote this about prayer. He says, the point of prayer is not to get answers from God, but to have perfect and complete oneness with him. If we pray only because we want answers, we'll become irritated and angry with God. We receive an answer every time we pray, but it doesn't always come in the way that we expect. And our spiritual irritation shows our refusal to identify ourselves truly with our Lord in prayer. Just because God doesn't answer the way we think he should doesn't negate the fact that we need to pray specifically and trust him to work out the right results in his timing, in his way. I don't know if you write down requests. I have an app on my phone and, and I put in requests. And a lot of your names are in there. And uh, they write specific things about uh, what's going on in, in, uh, in that circumstance. And, and then, uh, then I, it, it just leads me through that. And there's a way to, the, to check down when that's answered. And, and, and that, what, a, what a great way to celebrate when God comes through. But if we're just kind of keeping it general and uh, then then we miss out on the, the celebration when God intervenes are you uh, are are you praying specifically paul says uh, here's a request pray specifically he also says pray constantly Verse 18, on all occasions, uh, he says, always keep on praying. He's in 1 Thessalonians, another book in, in the New Testament, he says, pray without ceasing. So I guess we need to all quit our jobs and hole up somewhere and just pray all the time because that's what Paul says, right? On, uh, on part of my sabbatical, I'm going to a monastery for a few days for a silent retreat. And all that, uh, there's a lot of that that sounds really cool. Uh, I'm actually a little bit freaked out about it because I'm not the silent type. Um, I'm not sure I can just shut up and pray for four days, Uh, but uh, I'm going (laughs) to. If I can't do it for four days, how in the world am I going to do it constantly? Paul says pray constantly. Uh, Always keep on praying. Well, that's not exactly what Paul has in mind here. I mean, there's one person that I I read, uh, likens this to breathing right breathing in and out is natural for, i would guess that most of you haven't been thinking about the breaths that you're taking even as you're sitting here this morning I mean, in fact it's it's harder for us to hold our breath and to stop it than to just keep on breathing breathing um, in order to illustrate that let's try it 15 seconds hold your breath think you can do it here we go <sighs> Oh, look at there. It's good. Okay, now you have to breathe several times. Catch your breath again, right? That's good. Um, I think prayer, we could think about prayer as as, uh, that it should be a little bit like breathing for us. It should be completely natural for us to be in constant communication and connection with God. It should be abnormal and even difficult to not. Be in constant communication with God, to not be breathing prayer all the time. When we're not praying, it's kind of like holding your spiritual breath. You're fighting against the presence of God in certain areas of your life. Paul says, Keep on praying, pray on all occasions, keep on praying kind of like breathing are you alive then you need to stay in constant communication with God it's not that you're always on your knees with your hands folded and your eyes closed but that you're breathing a constant connection with God pray constantly another thing that Paul says here is that we need to pray creatively he says all kind with all kinds of prayers did you know there are all kinds of prayers uh, there's a lot of different things, uh, ways that we can pray. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of us kind of get into the same mode of things, right? We get into, I don't want to call it a rut, maybe a routine. Uh, uh, and, and I mean, some people some people kick into the King James prayers, right? They're the most down-to-earth uh, person, and as soon as you ask them to pray, it's thee this, and thou that, and shall, and all those kinds of things, and, and you're going, I didn't know that Shakespeare came, but that's fine, it's good, it works, it's good. Um, there's some people that uh, that substitute um with Father God in their prayers, and uh, and it just continues on, and that's but it's it's kind of this unthinking thing, right? And and we 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 get into this mode, and I'm not saying that we don't mean it, but um, but we uh, we get into this mode of maybe not thinking about prayer as we as we pray. My 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 dad, God rest his soul, uh, prayed virtually the same prayer before every family meal. Man, what for 40 years. I mean, uh, I know that he had a vibrant prayer life personally. Uh, I know that uh, he spent time alone with God, learning and, and studying and praying, and, and there's something to be said for consistency and faithfulness, and, and I know that he meant every word every time. But as a kid growing up, I almost, I, sometimes I'd snicker a little bit. Don't tell my mom, except she's going to know because she listens to these. She's the one person that listens to these sermons online. I'm just kidding. Um, you've known people. They get into a routine, right? They get into a routine of uh, of what, uh, uh, what what they're praying, and, and they're not necessarily thinking about it. Paul says that we need to uh, we we need to be be uh, be uh, not only specific and not only constant in our prayers, but also creative. In our prayer, we teach our kids how to pray, right? And 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 that's great. We need to give them words to say. Uh, we need to help them to uh, to know and understand uh, what it means to pray. And so we teach them things like God is great, God is good. Let us thank Him for our food, or or uh, we, you know, I tended to kick into, praise the Lord, pass the meat, let's eat, right? Uh, but um, prayer has to go beyond just reciting words but and, and move into speaking from our hearts. Uh, we saw in that video uh, before the uh, before the message about honesty, really being honest. And so that's going to, that, that expression is going to come out in a lot of different ways. So we need to be creative. We need to pray about everything. We need to pray everywhere. We need small prayers and long prayers and short prayers and silent prayers and loud prayers and asking for things and praising God for things and, and and thanking him, and listening, and confessing, and, and pray inside, and pray outside, and pray on your knees, and pray walking around, and, and lying face down, and by yourself, and with a group. and uh, We need to be praying all kinds of prayers. Evaluate your, your, your prayer life. If you find yourself always praying in the same way, this is a little nudge to maybe step out of your routine, and to start shaking things up a little bit. Pray creatively. And, and one other thing that, uh, that, that Paul says here is that we need to pray in the spirit. What does that mean? Well, it... it Sounds a lot like getting into a trance or talking in a spirit language or something like that. And it doesn't seem to be what Paul is referring to here in this passage. Uh, I think a couple verses in Romans 8 shed some light on this. Uh, He says in in verses 26 and 27, uh, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the word will of God when Paul says pray in the spirit I think he's talking about this connecting connection with God and connecting with his desires not just our desires we shouldn't just pray in our own wisdom uh, with our own ideas and what we think should happen we want to connect with the Holy Spirit and let him help us and even pray for us Uh, so many times we don't even know what to pray for we might think we do, and we pray for certain things, but, but we don't have the full picture of, uh, of life and what God wants. And so in prayer, we submit to the plan and the will of God, and we let the Holy Spirit guide our prayers. We need to pray in the Spirit. I don't remember where I heard it or who said it, but I think I like this description of prayer. Prayer is less about something you do and more about someone you're with. So pray. Pray. Paul says, pray specifically, pray constantly, pray creatively, pray in the spirit. You have a new identity. Your new identity connects you with God in prayer. Maybe a great conclusion would be Paul's last words, the last couple of verses. And so stand with me, and this is our benediction, I guess, today. He says this in Ephesians six twenty three and 24. Peace to you, brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Father God, we thank you for your, the gift of your word and for the rich truths that are there. I pray that you will help us to apply them to our lives and that we would live them out. Lord, I pray that as we go from this place, we would go on mission for you to live out what it means to have your identity living within us. And Lord, I pray that we can truly be connected to you just like, just like we breathe, that, that our connection with you would be, would be life-giving, that we would be people characterized by prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day and for the days ahead and for the things you have in store for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.